We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy, who will be back right after the holiday, working with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. It's a big news day. Yesterday, the big story was President Biden's surrender on COVID-19 in its entirety, punning it to the states, punning it specifically to the governors. It was incredible. Because remember, there are all these federal mandates. So if you don't have a federal solution... Why do we have to be bothered with your federal mandates? I mean, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty fair question. I'm going to bounce that one off a little bit later in the program uh, here today on the, on the Guy Benson Show. Today, that doesn't go away, the, the surrender. I mean, that, that is still – I've heard a lot of people on the Fox News channel talking about how surprised they were that President Biden did that. But they're really not surprised because there's a reason that he's capable of saying something that's completely counter to everything that they talked about. It is The Guy Benson Show. Guy offers smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights from the right-leaning perspective. He blends major newsmaking guests, including a steady stream of Fox News all-stars, along with his passionate and informed monologues. It's one of the most relevant nationally syndicated two-way talk radio programs in America. Welcome to The Guy Benson Show. Well, let's begin. There's some excellent coverage on this at foxnews.com, and I'm a big fan of Admiral Giroir. Uh Just always very intellectually honest, sobering in his assessment, but very, very blunt uh, when he needs to be. We have today, yesterday we opened with the Biden surrender and said it was the big story. The big story today, and I don't think anybody can deny it, I mean, we have record positive cases all over the country and the Biden doctrine of testing, but then not having enough testing. What a, what a failure in leadership, especially with all the smack talk about how his predecessor failed. This is completely ridiculous because you need the tests in order to go back to work. You need the tests in order to fly because somebody's not going to get on a plane. You would hope that responsible people wouldn't get on a plane with COVID-19. How do you know you have it? And of course, now the new CDC guidelines go into effect. And the more they tell you it's not confusing, the more confused the American people are. We'll get into some of that as well. But at foxnews.com, there is a relevant story to this topic, coronavirus testing sites plagued with long waits and lines as Omicron surges, quote, overwhelming. Now, I will tell you that about 45 minutes before airtime, a very dear friend of mine who is 
visiting in Las Vegas. A family member is COVID-19 positive. They had to wait a day to get the, uh, the PCR test done. He came back negative, but is sick. He thinks he has the flu. And they had a four to five hour wait in Las Vegas to get a test. So what they did, they paid a premium to get it done somewhere where you could pay hundreds of dollars. You could wait four or five hours and allegedly get it for free, or you could pay hundreds of dollars and then get it very, very quickly. Wyatt sent us something here during our Guy Benson show prep about people in the Hamptons, quote, are paying $500 for a COVID test. This is a New York Post tweet, and it links you to their coverage on it. $500. So that's, we now have a cottage industry, the COVID-19 testing industry. And in all the examples that I've been seeing, keep in mind, sometimes people are asymptomatic. They're getting a test because they need to get a test. Maybe they're going somewhere that they have to show that they've had a test within the last, whatever, 48 to 72 hours, or they're not feeling well, and they need to determine whether they have COVID-19 or not. And you wait two, three, four, I've heard five and more hours. So that is a crisis. Let's make no mistake about that. And it is a complete failure of leadership. I just think that that is as bad as it gets, especially when the president has all these experts that told him months ago, we're going to need testing for the winter. And then they keep telling you no one knew. No one knew. Everybody that was qualified to say so said there will be variants. We've seen this now going on two years. We know that it peaks in the winter and that you almost feel normal again during the summer when it's not absent but very, very minimous compared. In the FoxNews.com coverage, quote-unquote, oh, my God, it's just overwhelming. This is Cheryl Malone of Ohio in terms of the long waits to get tested this holiday season. Now, you can imagine there's all different examples. You may have a mom and a dad, a mom or a dad with a young child or children, and their combination of not sick and some feeling sick, and they're all waiting in these lines to get this box handed to them that has one or two kits in it, depending on which ones you get. Quote, a woman yesterday offered me $50 right at the end of this road just to turn in front of me and cut off 100 cars, probably because she had to go to work. See, this is the other thing. People need to get this done. The system is pushing the testing. And... They have lives. They have places they have to be. If you have a job, what are you going to do? You, you wait for your day off and you'll wait four or five hours when you're sick? That was a quote from Brian Tucker, and it's in the Fox News coverage. 
That's a North Carolina incident. Tucker said he waited in line for nearly two hours with his sick mom and three-year-old. I mean, that's like federal government abuse. Elderly people having to wait outside in the cold when they're sick. Have you ever had to do that? You, you have the chills. You're burning up with fever, but you needed to go to your doctor. Maybe it was just something where the doctor wants to see you as opposed to just phoning in an antibiotic or whatever other medicine you might need, a steroid, whatever the case might be, to promote healing. And you're, you're freezing, but you're burning up at the same time. And the walk to the car in the winter is, is like punishment. And you just feel miserable. Imagine standing outside in the cold for two, three, four, five hours. So just like yesterday when I said, this is no exaggeration. I'm not into shock. I know Guy Benson is not into shock. He's in the straight talk, telling it like it is. In a world sometimes living it like it isn't. So when we told you yesterday the big story was President Biden surrendering COVID-19 in its entirety to the states after trashing that concept not long ago. Yeah, that was a big story. The big story of the day. I truly believe this, and I, I know that Wyatt and Dan also agree, this testing situation is a crisis. And again, I don't overstate that for any type of shock value. When you have to wait for two, three, four, five hours at a time to either be tested or to get a test kit handed to you or pay an enhanced price to get it some other way. You know it's it's got to be happening. There's got to be like a black market on test kits. You walk down the street, psst, come here. Me? You. Don't go to that line. Come to my store. This is just terrible. And I never thought I could say this. Wash my mouth out with soap. What can I tell you? But this is absolutely extraordinary. But I'm going to agree with CNN. And I don't watch them. I don't appreciate their work. Even their new largest shareholder doesn't seem to like how they do it and talking a lot about going back to when they were a news organization and not this iteration, whatever you want to call it. Caitlin Collins, who I have to say, I really don't even know who that is, but this is a CNN report, was interviewing the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, and she said, it sounds like shortened isolation has, quote, as much to do with business as science. Now, we shared this with you yesterday. This is C CDC Director Rochelle Walensky yesterday, and I quote her. We want to make sure there is a mechanism by which we can safely continue to keep society functioning. Now, a lot of people would just end it right there, but we don't play it that way. We'll give you the, the rest of the sentence. It's a few words, but to be fair and to put it in context, it, they do matter. We want to make sure there is a mechanism by which we can safely continue to keep society functioning while following the science. And on that particular issue, 
it's I know it's like a unicorn sighting. CDC got it right. Dr. Liana Wen, this is another CNN report. Take a listen to this. Dan cut two. In the same way that back last March when the CDC was not recommending masks and was giving all kinds of other reasons for why masks were not recommended, I wish that they had come out then and said the real reason is that we don't have enough masks for healthcare workers. I think this is the same thing here too. Tests actually are needed in order to exit isolation. But if we don't even have enough tests right now to test symptomatic people, then we need to we we cannot possibly issue a guidance for all of America to exit isolation that way. So practical reasons and I wish they were forthcoming about the practical aspects of why they're making this decision. I don't know you. I've never heard of you. And this is the first time, basically, that I've ever referred to you on The Guy Benson Show, Dr. Liana Wen. You are correct. Boy, something's really, I mean, this the, 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 the axis of the earth must have slightly changed or something. We're, like the Superman movie, it's spinning in the opposite direction now. Something, and we're going to get Lois Lane because she's underneath the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the collapse of the, of the, the, the highway. Something's crazy here when two out of two were agreeing with CNN. Wyatt, is there something in the in the bottled water that that you didn't tell me about? Because this is this is amazing. But I agree two times in a row. Now, of course, let's hear Lord Fauci. And we have a comment that we're going to make about Lord Fauci in just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen of The Guy Benson Show, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Cut one, Dan. So it just makes sense. If you keep them out for five days, keep them isolated for five days, then get them back doing their job, doing their work, keeping a mask on to protecting themselves from from infecting other individuals. So I don't think it's confusing. I think it's a rather crisp recommendation. <laughs> Very funny. Not a lot of people think that uh, because it is rather confusing. Let's get this in, uh, Dan, before the break. Because this is somebody that we hear from that I believe in. I think she is absolutely fantastic. A Fox News contributor and a regular on The Guy Benson Show, Dr. Jeanette Neshwat. Cut three, Dan. This comes down to the fact that the CDC is only sampling and doing what we call genomic surveillance and sequencing of only about 5 to 10% of the cases that they receive. We need to double, triple, quadruple that number so we have a better understanding and idea of what type of variants we're dealing with. What this information tells us, Ben, that we now have more Delta cases. We know that Delta is more serious for many people, whether you're vaccinated or not. So it's important to have this information so we can plan accordingly. And also to know that if that five-day isolation period ends, you still need to wear your mask because you could still be spreading, especially if we're dealing with other types of variants that might be more uh, serious, more contagious, more virulent than Omicron. Dr. Jeanette Neshwat on Fox and Friends first. We'll be back in just a few minutes. A comment about Fauci, then we're going to pivot for a bit, but we will come back to some of this a little later in the hour, a little later in the program. You're listening to The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. 
We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Big fan of the Guy Benson Show bumper music. Let me just put that onto the record. This is the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy, who will be back right after the holiday, working with Christine Wyatt and Dan. It's a privilege to do so. Thanks for spending this portion of your day here on the Guy Benson Show. It's a big news day. Let me quickly tell you about something that's going to happen tomorrow. And if the timing is great, like it usually is for the Guy Benson Show, we'll be able to tell you more about this tomorrow. But the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, reached out and would like to have a telephone conversation, which will be the second in a short while. That's good. I always think it's good to talk uh, with some leaders. I'm not for the American president speaking necessarily to Iran with with the um, terror that they sponsor and, and, and everything that they are about. Uh, Putin is not a good actor, but strategically agreeing to, to take the call is a good idea. They'll talk ahead of a series of diplomatic discussions that will be taking place in the new year, in January. So it is important because it does uh, mark the second time that they're speaking in short order. And we will tell you more about that tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show. And hopefully it will take place in a way that we'll be able to report on it in real time, which has happened a lot, as you know, on Guy's program. That Between the hours that Guy is on air, uh, incredible volume of things uh, break. So I think that's going to happen tomorrow during the show. Let's share this one before the break. A lot of people don't know this. I mentioned it in one sentence yesterday, but I'm going to give you more today. Dr. Anthony Fauci, whose official title, he's a federal employee, is director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. I think he's a quack. I think he's been wrong about everything, and yet he is the highest paid federal employee in the history of the United States of America. He makes, well, it's it's incredible how much he makes. In 2020, which we don't get 2021 because it's not a full year yet, in 2020, Anthony Fauci made $434,312, a $17,000 increase from 2019. He earned $1.252 million between 2018 and 2020. Get ready for this. In, from 2004 to 2007, four years, Fauci received an increase from $200,000 a year to $335,000 a year, a 68% pay increase. And when he retires, he will receive $350,000 per year for the rest of his life. It's a disgrace and it is an outrage. This is The Guy Benson Show. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. 
You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back. This is the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy. Guy will be back right after the holiday. And I am partnering today with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Thanks for spending this portion of your day with us on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is in my estimation, and I think it's without question, one of the most accessible, transparent members of Congress, Congresswoman Nancy Mace from South Carolina's 1st Congressional District. Welcome, Congresswoman Mace, to the Guy Benson Show. And thank you so much for having me on again. Pleasure. Good to talk to you. I always enjoy speaking with you. Let's start with the president and his handling of COVID-19. I could leave it there, but let me just tee it up for you. The president promised us not long ago he would shut down the virus, quote, end quote. Yesterday, I, I thought it was just bizarre. He surrendered in its entirety, saying there's no federal solution to COVID-19. He punted it to the state. And maybe you can answer this one for Guy's audience, Congresswoman Mace. If there's no federal solution to COVID-19, why are there so many federal mandates? Uh, precisely. That's the biggest question I think we're all asking ourselves this week. Did he make that announcement from the beach? I heard he was, you know, we're having this Omicron crisis and I guess he's working from the beach right now. But right. So, you know, he's putting through all these federal mandates on businesses, federal vaccinations. He would put everybody in a mask if he could, whether you were outdoors, et cetera. Um, he probably would allow that as well. But um, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, you, know, you know, so now that states are capable of of taking care of COVID now, but not capable enough of, you know, strengthening their voting laws. I just, uh, there's just a lot of hypocrisy. And, you know, President Biden, as we all learned this week as well, he turned down two chances earlier this year, one time in the spring, and then again towards the end of October, he was provided two proposals to have rapid tests available to every American. And here we are facing, you know, Omicron, and New York the other day just had over 50,000 cases on Tuesday. And tests, tests are running out. And the very first op-ed that I ever wrote when we were Learning about about COVID nineteen, I had a horrific case of it. By the way, I'm asthmatic now because of it. Oh. Um, a year and a half ago, but one of the very first things I wrote about was the ability to have successful rapid testing everywhere. And over the holidays, I mean, I, I was trying to run out to find tests and couldn't find any anywhere. I mean, that's how bad it's been. And Omicron isn't even here across South Carolina uh, as bad as it is in other places. And so I can only imagine what's going to happen when folks want to know if they have it and. Uh, in the weeks to come when it gets here. But, um, you know, he's failed in every measure. He's failed at the border. He's failed at COVID. He failed at Afghanistan. It's not been a good it's not been a good year for President Biden. No, I think I think that's a very fair assessment. That's not even political. That's just calling mm-hmm. balls and strikes. Fact. We are visiting yeah. with Congresswoman Nancy Mace of South Carolina on The Guy Benson Show. The um, American people right now, because they made testing, the Biden doctrine is really the testing is the vaccine and testing it's so important but then he didn't as you mentioned he didn't do his job to have the testing available it was something he trashed mm-hmm. president trump we played all those clips yesterday you know all of them mm-hmm. you lived it in mm-hmm. real time uh so it's it's really complete abject failure but we have people right now and i know some of them they've called me from their lines that all over the country they're waiting two three four five hours to either get the test or to have somebody hand them a box with one or two of the Binex or whatever test you're lucky enough to get. Mm-hmm. This is, mm-hmm. this is, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And the other thing is, too, is the lines get longer 
um, you know, the, the turnaround time is then also going to be extended. And here we are two years into this thing. Why are not these lateral flow tests that Abbott Labs, Binax, as you mentioned, Acu, uh, I think AccuView is another one. There are a couple of different ones you can get, $24 for two of them. Mm-hmm. Why aren't these available everywhere? It's, it's a low-cost solution. It's a fast turnaround. Um, and if you test positive, then go do a, an extended, you know, extensive PCR test that takes a little bit longer to turn around. But there's no reason, you know, two years into this thing that we still don't, we're still not able to test. And I'm not talking to people all over the holidays that were getting Omicron left and right. And then others wanted to test before they saw their elderly parents like myself and my family. And we had real difficulty going out and finding tests. And then, then when you do find them, you can only get one per person. You can't buy a box for every person in your family. I mean, that I, we're rationing tests at the stores because there's not enough available. And I admire President Biden's plan to have hundreds of millions of tests available for every American, but I really question him whether or not he, they're going to be able to roll it out. Everything that they have touched has been, has been ruined or damaged. And yeah. whether that's inflation, <laughs> we're seeing it, whether that's the crisis at, at the border, leaving citizens behind in Afghanistan, oh. they just can't get it right. And... There's a solution out there. It's very common sense. It's very pragmatic. It's very cost effective. And yet we're still doing what we were doing almost two years ago with no end in sight. And not to mention, don't get me started on natural immunity and therapeutics (laughs) and prophylactics and what we can be doing to keep ourselves healthy and have maintain a healthy diet and and good weight and all those things. We're not talking about any of those things as preventive measures either. And what's so incredibly just sad, 11 12 months ago, mm-hmm. we were energy independent. We were a net oil exporter. We had mm-hmm. no inflation. Uh, I mean, it, it was an incredible time of every demographic uh, earning more than they had ever earned. Every Everything was going the way you want the great American experience, the great American dream to go. Look at what they've done in 11 months. And all of the lives, too. I mean, inflation's at a 39-year yes. high. It's yes. not transitory, as they told us. No. Wages, I mean, they, I think Jen Psaki said this week, wages were better than inflation. I'm like, no, honey, it's, it's actually half. Wages have increased about 3% this year. Inflation's at 6.8. If you want, if you like steak, it's going to cost you 25% more today than it did a year ago. I hope you like, you know, the heating costs, because those are going to go up about 30%. Um, everything is down. And so, when when we had you know more fiscally conservative policy, as you said, every sector of our community, no matter your, your color, your gender, whatever, we were doing better than we are a year later now with Biden as president. Uh, look at the border; even there are there are immigrants, uh, illegal Im- legal immigrants here who are leaving the Biden, leaving their support with, for Biden behind because they're seeing what's happening at the border. And they don't like all the illegal immigration that's busting through the border. And especially when you talk to people coming from socialist countries, they see the way in the direction that our country is headed towards socialism, towards this progressive socialism. And that's not what they came here for. And so people are really, really pushing back. And then, you know, of course, uh, Afghanistan, that we were told we would get every citizen out. We've left we oh. left families behind. We left people who are willing to take a bullet for our country, the SIV holders, special immigrant visas. They were left behind, too. And then now, I mean, good luck getting tested with COVID when Omicron hits your city. I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know what they were thinking. 
And of course, the, as you say, the American people have caught on to it, which is really, I think, a plus because obviously you fix a problem by recognizing there's a problem. And I believe we are going to see a course correction. I have no doubt. I don't want to jinx you, but I have no doubt. I mean, you, you need to pick up five seats in, in, in mm-hmm. a year where there's nothing bad going it would be 28 seats turning over. This is probably going to be double or more than that. Uh, Republicans are going to win the majority in the 2022 midterm elections, in my estimation. And I think Republicans should win the Senate. It's a little bit more difficult because, as you know, more Republicans are defending. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, uh, if you look at what happened in my home state of New Jersey, you look at what happened in the Commonwealth of Virginia. If that had been a national election this past November 2nd, it would have been probably the biggest just wave election in the history of the republic. And I don't see the Democrats being in any better shape in 2022. That's my little crystal ball. Give us your Congresswoman Nancy Mace look ahead at the midterm elections. No, I, I absolutely agree. I, re- I represent a swing district. And if you're in a, a solid blue district, you know, you could win by 10 points as a Democrat. You are now a swing district. And you know, the only people that could lose this election cycle in a in a landslide next year will be us. And I believe that we have every tool in the toolbox that we can use. The one thing that I do caution people is not to rest on our laurels. We yep. can't get ahead of our skis and think, well, Biden's doing so bad, uh, we're just going to win big time. Everyone has to get out and vote. Everyone has to share with their friends and their neighbors and their their communities on why they feel a certain way. And we have to do it without showing anger. We've got to do it with showing solutions. So one of the solutions to COVID-19, Biden has obviously bungled it, but talking about testing, we should have all have the ability to have these rapid tests uh, no matter how many hundreds of millions of people want to get tested, we should have access to that. That gets us through COVID-19. Talking about therapeutics and having access to, to the, that opportunity, those opportunities and those, abil- those uh, the availability of those things. Um, but then other, you know, other ways looking at how immigration has affected all of our communities, whether that's uh, drug trafficking, human trafficking, et cetera. Um, we've got to be able to talk about inflation how are we going to be better? Because for a long time, it was Republicans and Democrats that had added to the deficit. So what are we going to do that's going to be better? Are we actually going to balance the budget? Are we going to elect people who want to balance the budget? Are we going to elect people who want to cut spending or support uh, policies like the penny plan? If you cut a penny out of every dollar the federal government spends over five years, you can balance the budget. And then guess what? You can increase spending by over 10% annually. So just Having the the ability to talk about these things in, in a way that impacts everyone's bottom line, whether that's the opportunities they have at work or retirement or raising their families, um, we have we have a huge opportunity next year. And I want to make sure we're all working together, we're all in the same boat, rowing the same way, and talking about why we will be better. And then when we get elected actually doing it. Because one of the reasons I got in this gig, I was so sick and tired of politicians making these promises and then not fulfilling them once they got into office. And we've got to be better than that because this cycle can turn around every two years. And this pendulum is not good for the economy. It's not good for businesses. Uh, Businesses and, and families need consistency. They need clarity. They need to know what's going to happen in the near term and long term, they, they need that. And so it's really going to be incumbent upon us to do more than say, hey, Democrats are bad. Biden's bad. That's easy. But what are we going to do about it? Right. And that's what we've got to really have a huge opportunity here. The Guy Benson Show is presenting Congresswoman Nancy Mace of South Carolina's first congressional district. Here's another one I think we're going to have uh, an agreement on the Democratic 
House retirements. Uh, Wyatt, Dan, and I reviewed this right before airtime. I believe it's at least 23 as of now. Maybe it's even more, but it's at least 23. As you know, several to even many of them, high-ranking chairman of, of the big committees, people that know that the Democratic Party is going to be in, in the minority again, and they're just going to leave rather than go back to not being in charge, not having their subpoena power. And I do have a follow-up because – and take it take it on the first point, your thoughts about the retirements. I think that they are thinly disguised. I mean, to me, it's their de facto resignation that they've lost, and they know they've lost, or they would stay, I think. And it certainly wouldn't be that many leaving. And the other point is – Republicans having subpoena power again, and I'm not in the game of they were horrible mm-hmm. and they went after people and now it's our turn and you go after people like they do it. They're they're, they're horrible. They're like, show me the, the man. I'll show you the crime. It's like bury a, the henchman for Stalin. They're horrible, these people. I'm not advocating that Republicans be like that, but having subpoena power, maybe Biden Inc. gets a little test drive and some things that just can't go anywhere because – They've got the keys to the car, the other side. No, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I would say the, the high number of retirements. You had the chairman of the Transportation Infrastructure Committee, yep. Fazio. He is retiring. That was a, a really a big one. And there, there are more retirements to come. It is an indicator of where I think the sentiment is with Democrats and going into the midterms and how much of a bloodbath it is going to be. Because rather than, because it's not like Nancy Pelosi has a, a mandate here. She has like a three or four person majority right now. And uh, we should be working together. Like both sides of the aisle should be working for the American people, and working yeah. for the American people together. And they're not doing that. They've taken a sharp left turn into progressivism and socialism. You've got AOC and Bernie Sanders writing the budget, literally wrote Build Back Better. I mean, like, who in their right mind would have ever thought this could be happening? And yet, a year into what everyone thought would be a center-left, moderate-left Democratic presidency, it's been anything but but when Republicans do get into power, and I sit on the Oversight Committee and we have subpoena power, there are very specific things that we should be investigating. And I'd like to start with China. I mean, we're yeah. literally, we're having arguments on w- over what gender you are. And meanwhile, you know, you know, China and Russia are out here eating our lunch or preparing yeah. to. Yes. We are not ready for this. And we've got to make sure that we are firing on all cylinders, that our country is strong, and we're stronger when we work together. And there's not a lot that Republicans and Democrats necessarily agree on. There's 10 or 20 percent of those things. But those are the things that make our country strong. And when our country is strong, the world is strong. Uh, Afghanistan, I want to know how much money, how much equipment we truly left behind and, yep. and left in the hands of terrorists. I think yes. that's top of mind for a lot of people. I want the border investigated. I want the, the email that the, were Biden, I guess it's capital B, somewhere in <laughs> Hunter Biden's emails. We think that is a reference to, to Joe Biden. I want to know. I want to know what that means. Right. Yeah, the, big, the big guy. Americans do. You want to know about yeah, the, big the big guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know about the big guy. I also want to know about the hundreds of millions of fraud in, in every federal agency. I want to know where our money is going. I want audits. I want I want the Fed to stop printing money. I mean, there's so many things that we've got to do to fix the economic crisis that we're facing. And that, don't get me wrong, that's going to affect us militarily as well. I mean, China's sitting out here and we're writing memos on, hey, China, you're bad. And we're yeah. not actually doing anything to prevent it. It doesn't have to be militarily. There are economic measures, trade measures we can do. 
um, that would, uh, I believe, get China in line. And while, you know, Ukraine and Russia is happening over here, uh, it's a very scary time for the world. No doubt. We no are doubt. These kinds of games. Congresswoman, we're, we're up against a hard break. You are absolutely on point. It's all going to happen, too, because this is really going to take place at the midterm election. Congresswoman Nancy Mace, great to visit with you. Yeah. Happy New Year. Thank you Happy so much. New Year. You're welcome. Happy New Year to you. We'll be back. This is The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in, partnering with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. Guy will be back right after the holiday. I take a page out of a great movie. I think it's a great movie, Seabiscuit. And you had the jockey Red Pollard that rode Seabiscuit. He had the bad accident and um, was able to come back. And it was a pretty remarkable comeback story when they said he couldn't ride again. And he said, oh, the cruelest cut as he watched them working with Seabiscuit without him. Westchester County District Attorney Mimi Roca said that while there was evidence to conclude the conduct the women described did occur, she couldn't bring criminal cases over it. That is regarding former Governor Andrew Cuomo, who won't face criminal charges stemming from the allegations from two women, one of them a state trooper. And they had specific details of his misdeeds, his misconduct, of sexual assault alleged, alleged. And the prosecutor says in both cases, my office determined, although the allegations and witnesses were credible and the conduct concerning, we cannot pursue criminal charges. So I would say this is, hey, you told the truth, but we're taking care of a former governor here. I don't know how you can interpret that any other way. I don't buy that it didn't rise to the level. You know, it's interesting. They couldn't kook the women out. So they have to admit that they're telling the truth. However, they're not going to pursue it. It's really outrageous. We have a lot of important content to continue as The Guy Benson Show moves on. Much more straight ahead. Don't go. This is The Guy Benson Show. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Guy Benson Show. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy, who will be back right after the holiday, partnering today with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Thanks for spending this portion of your day here with the Guy Benson Show. On the Guy Benson Show newsmaker line is truly one of the greats, Joe Concha, who I know my friend Sean Hannity loves, Fox News contributor, political columnist at the Hill, and the guy who breaks it down. And it's a good, this is a good comment because Joe doesn't know this, but we have another thing in common. We both were sports writers early in our career. I didn't know that until today about Joe when I saw uh, Joe on the Fox News channel, and he was talking about the late, great John Madden. And maybe we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later in our interview. Joe, welcome to Guy's program. How are you? That was the nicest introduction. Have you started drinking already for New Year's Eve? Because... No, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I have clarity. I'm <laughs> telling the truth about Joe Concha. It's, it's, Thank you. Yeah, oh, that's it's, so it's, cool. It's good. How about this one, Joe? You'll yeah. have an opinion on this. 
I'm calling it hashtag no plan Joe, but not Joe Concha, Joe Biden. Yes. If there is no federal solution to COVID-19, and as you know, President Biden surrendered yesterday, I I think it has to go down as an epic surrender because, of course, he did a 180, just like Jennifer Rubin, who we'll talk about in a moment, uh, on the issue. Of course, there was a federal solution. He was the man who said, I'm going to shut down the virus. Now, as of yesterday, there is no federal solution. He's like Admiral Stockdale. Who am I? Why am I here? It's just absolutely amazing. So how about this? No federal solution. How about then? Wouldn't that then deserve no federal mandates? One would think, right? Therefore, there should be no travel mandate. There should be no vaccine mandate. If you take the federal part out of it and leave it to the states, and then Florida will do what Florida will do under DeSantis, or Newsom will control California the way he does, then that's the way kind of the founders thought about it, right? But, I mean, it's amazing. You're right about no plan, uh, uh, Joe, as far as not having a plan here, which is remarkable. After a year, he had a roadmap. He had vaccines. Yeah. He has therapeutics. He got all these things. When, when, when people say Trump wasn't ready for the virus in March of 2020, well, quite frankly, no one was, right? I mean, we didn't have any vaccines. We didn't have any therapeutics. And that thing just came on us, and there really was no playbook. Here, he talks about in December 2020, as President-elect Biden, how it was a, quote, travesty, unquote, that we didn't have enough testing. And after all that time, and even in October when he was warned, we need a testing surge because there is going to be a winter surge coming, particularly around the holidays, that plan was rejected either by him or whoever handles him. Maybe Ron Klain, you know, was like tweeting in the middle of it and said, I got no time right now. Just reject it and then moved on. The prime minister rejected it. The prime minister, exactly. But uh, look, it's amazing that people actually bought Biden's main selling point as a candidate, which was he will stop the virus. He will control the virus. No one stops or controls a virus. And now testing, I can tell you this, my wife's an ER doctor. And when she showed up for work yesterday, there was something like 150 people lined up at seven o'clock in the morning just to get tested. You know, you know this, Joe Concha, right now in the winter, in the cold, there are people in line, sometimes for miles, a mile and a half, two miles, waiting to either get tested or to be handed a box with one or two tests. It is truly a disgrace. And isn't it very Biden-esque? Barack Obama said it, and you know this, Joe. He said, don't underestimate Joe Biden's ability to, you know what, blank things up. (laughs) And you think about it, Afghanistan, instead of getting Americans out, getting our equipment second, and then the military comes home. He does the unthinkable. He brings the military home first. We still have Americans left in Afghanistan. As you say, in October, experts came, said, Mr. President, the winter is when we get the wave, and we need these 700 million-plus tests for the American people. Biden drops the ball on that, obviously didn't approve it. We, we would have them. So see you in January, maybe. And now we have people waiting out in the cold because they've made testing, Joe Conscious, so important, but then they make it not available. Remarkable, right? And then you yeah. have the White House press secretary, you know, where she basically puts a period after every third word. You ever notice yes, that the way she I talks, do. right? Kate, Kate when she was asked about the testing, Harry, where yeah. she goes, what would you have us do? Should we send a test to every American? What would the cost be on that? So condescending, so yeah. patronizing. And now basically it's the policy uh, just a couple of weeks and later. And Joe, Barlison said on that, 
Maybe. I mean, she was, she was right. You're so good on that. So the Washington Post at Bandcamp. Yeah, yes, no, I, I watched American right? Pie was on a couple of nights ago. I'm like, wow, yes. she really is that character. It's remarkable. But go ahead, yes. I, I cut you off. No, 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 not at all. Washington Post's Jennifer Rubin, who I guess used to kind of sort of think like 180 degrees different than what happens now. I guess you can have fun with that. But she did an about face on all of this. Your thoughts about that? Well, I, I want to go bowling sometime. And, and we talked about drinking before, but I'm talking like tequila kind of drunk with Jen Rubin, Nicole Wallace, MSNBC. You used to be the yeah. communications director for President yes. George W. Bush. Think yes. about that. That's a pretty yeah. high position, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve Schmidt, I, I'd like to go with him too. Uh, anybody from the Lincoln Project for that matter. And, and just be like, okay. It really is all BS what you're doing, right? You don't actually believe what you're saying. You just found this this niche of being, well, I'm the Republican who turned on Trump, and therefore I am indicative of everybody in America who hates that guy so much. Yeah. So, yeah, Ruben, I guess this is the shit, but she can't possibly – like when yeah. she writes tweets, like the way she wrote this one, you know, basically forgiving Biden for saying it should go back to the states, or in, in his case, uh, it, oh, well, maybe this – we, we, we shouldn't be talking about cases so much. We should be talking about or maybe the virus isn't as uh, deadly or as uh, uh, there's a word here. Start with the V. I forget what it is. But uh, it basically, it, it's not going to kill you. There's a very good chance it won't. Yeah. She's completely changed her tune based yeah. on who is president. And it's amazing. The Washington Post still, A, employs her and B, that she has no shame. So, yeah, Ruben, Wallace, you name it. That's this is like a thing uh, on TV and in print. And, you know, it's so easy to see through. It's, it's on pathetic. the guy. Benson Newsmaker line is the great Joe Concha, and I've always got your back. That word you're looking for is Vir- vir- virulent. 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 Thank yeah, you. So I've got your back. So Vir- my former uh, boss, President Trump, back. was following the Constitution, basically that the power resides in the states. The states will do everything that they can do and the things, the limited few things, you know, the national defense and some of the things that the federal government should do on a limited basis will take place. And the president was saying that the states should run point, but we will be there for everything they need. I mean, look at the ventilators he got, the PPE, I mean, the the warp speed. I said this yesterday on Guy's program, Joe, that if Joe Biden had been the president, we would still not have a vaccine because he is a government career 50-year swamp creature. It would have been the CDC is working on it. We, we're, we're getting there. We'll, we'll have it. It would be years before we would have had a vaccine. Do you agree? You're right about that. And you know why? Because every time, Harry, what we see with this administration is they are on the defensive. They are reactive instead of proactive, right? And all right, we we can talk about the tests and we can talk about the vaccines, right? As far as being reactive, not being ready for Omicron. We didn't know that variants were going to happen, which was easily the stupidest line of the year. And that came from the vice president. And then the president echoed that by saying, we didn't know it was going to spread so rapidly, even though you were told that, you know, two months ago, but okay, fine. But then you look at the major issues, right? Inflation. Wow. We didn't see that coming. Well, actually it's just transitory. Oh, it's going to be here for a while. Boy, we didn't see that coming. As far as Afghanistan, Kabul, they're already in, I'm sorry, the Taliban's already in Kabul? How'd that happen? Oh, right. We, we didn't see that coming. With crime, it's like, what is it, 16, 16 cities have now set homicide records? I mean, that's remarkable. Oh, boy, we didn't see that coming when we decided to vilify the po- police last year when we were running as candidates and, and basically set up you know, uh, bail funds for uh, the vice president did anyway. She was a candidate at the time in, in Kamala Harris. Boy, we didn't see that the summer love and mostly peace or riots are going to lead to criminals becoming more brazen. Oh, education. Wow, we, we advocated 
teaching critical race theory, we didn't know that parents were actually going to turn on us for that. And we could go on and on. They're constantly flat-footed. They're always caught by surprise. We were told the adults were back in charge. Yeah. You tell me what adult is in charge at this no. point. Is no. it Kamala Harris? No. Is it Joe Biden? No. Is it Ron Klain? No. Is it Susan Rice? You can find Jimmy Hoffa before you can find Susan Rice in front of a microphone these days, probably for good reason. So, yeah, th- this team, they're the gang they can't shoot straight, and they will pay dearly. In d- November, they will lose the House. They will lose the Senate. Save the tape. I think we saved tapes at Fox News Radio. Yes. And then in 2024, Joe Biden will not be your nominee, nor will Kamala Harris. It's going to be an open primary, and God knows what you get out of that. Maybe Hillary Clinton, Stacey Abrams, and Michelle Obama. Oh, oh, oh good times. <laughs> this is so good. Joe Concha on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, the Fox News contributor, political columnist at the Hill. Cuomo and Cuomo, bad year, huh? Oh, uh, well... Uh, that is, you know, you're being generous there at this point, because when you think about, Harry, where we were in the spring of 2020 and Andrew Cuomo and Chris Cuomo was the greatest and cheesiest, quite frankly, duo we've seen since Millie Vanilli. All right. I mean, they're they're on there seeing it every night. They're laughing it up during a pandemic, mind you, while seniors are being sent to nursing homes in New York, which is like, you know, in seniors that have COVID, by the way. So that's like taking uh, a flamethrower to dry, dry grass, putting them into those uh, situations where so many people are vulnerable. And Chris Cuomo was top rated at CNN. Granted, I understand that's like being the skinniest kid at fat camp. But, you know, he was he was up. He was still third place to Hannity and Maddow, but he was getting better rated. And then Andrew Cuomo was at something like 70% approval and even yeah. talked about, remember, replacing Joe Biden as the nominee because yes. probably he's the better person at the top of that ticket. And Andrew Cuomo was forced to resign and Chris Cuomo was fired, which is just delicious because I could share some text that guy sent to me over the years. He's just the most thin-skinned guy. This side of Jake Tapper, believe me. So all of that, uh, it's a spectacular fall. And, and I think hopefully we'll never see them again. But then again... You know, CNN gave Jeffrey Tubin a happy ending, so maybe Chris Cuomo somehow gets a comeback. See? Now, Joe, we have four minutes, so what I want to do is I want to give you three minutes to run down some of your top media stories of 2021 because you are the best. You're like the John Madden, boom, (laughs) of the Telestrator, and I want the last minute for two former sports writers long ago to regale about the great John Madden. Your top stories of 2021, some of them. Okay, so I got 2.45 for this, 2 minutes, 45 seconds. Go. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, I think, was the biggest uh, there's so many to choose from don't get me wrong but with Rittenhouse the fact that here you had one white guy who in self-defense killed three other white guys and our stupid media says oh you know this is all about race and this is racism and it's what but white supremacy and all this stuff I was like what are you talking about everybody involved is white and then MSNBC actually chases the jury bus with the producer runs <laughs> yes. red lights and everything because they're trying to dox them find them see where they were staying and then had the audacity to say oh no we weren't following him until the producer himself said oh yeah I was under orders from New York to do that. I mean, that was just perfect because that shows you what I've been talking about, which is we're well past bias at this point. It's no longer journalism. It is activism where you have so-called reporters and media members getting involved in stories and trying to change the outcome, right? And and Jesse Smollett, I think, was a big story as well, yep. only because the, the when you think about it, the justice system worked uh, very well in the span of two weeks where Jesse Smollett was found guilty and Kyle Rittenhouse was found innocent. Yes. But Smollett, again, think about when this story first came out. Now, I have taken of me on Tucker Carlson talking about this, where I said, I don't know why we're not using the word alleged with this attack as so many media outlets are doing, because 
You're telling me that this guy decided at 2 o'clock in the morning to polar vortex in Chicago. I'm a Bears fan. Trust me, I've been out in Chicago in January at night. It ain't fun. No one does it. But this guy had to have Subway at that time. And then two guys walking around with MAGA hats with a noose and bleach were looking for you know gay actors of color and found one and decided to attack him. We're supposed to believe this. So, yeah, that that, that was remarkable. And then obviously the, the Steele dossier. We always knew it was a, it was complete and utter BS. But now, finally, it is proven that not only is it BS, but it was bought and paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, and that fueled three years. Think about that. That dossier spurred James Comey getting fired by the FBI because Trump said, all right, if this guy's believing this, I don't want him around anymore, which spurred, obviously, the special counsel, which dominated a presidency for three years. That dossier was a very big deal. And then CNN's media guy couldn't even talk about it on his media show as far as the media completely and totally getting that one wrong. So I, I guess that's three, but I'm probably missing about 35. But now I'm looking at my clock and I'm out of time because we got to talk about Madden. Yes. And so let's do that. John Madden and, and the NFL reports that Madden died unexpectedly. But what a great life. 80 five years. I'm so happy he got to see the incredible documentaries that were done about him. And anybody listening to Guy's program, even if you're not a sports fan, it, it, it is it is remarkable stuff. The Fox piece is just masterclass. I say, and I, I heard you say this on the Fox News channel, Joe, and I agree with you, John Madden, he was transformational. He changed broadcasting. He completely did. You know why? Because he didn't come from central casting, right, to get into yep. broadcasting. Uh, he was a coach in the Oakland Raiders, so you know he was going to be colorful, so it was a great hire. And by the way, a great coach. You know, he won a Super Bowl. In that decade, you had the Dolphins and the Steelers right, that you had to contend with just to get to a Super Bowl every year. And he won 75% of his games, which is like completely that, unheard of. That is incredible. 103-32-7. and seven. That's remarkable. Highest. That throws you off a little bit, right? Like seven yeah, yeah. ties. How that happen? I know. But and then he gets hired by CBS, and eventually is paired with Pat Summerall, and it's just the perfect combination. Because Summerall's a former player too; he's a kicker with yes. the Giants, yes. and he played the straight man perfectly. Summerall and what great pipes! And then he let Madden be Madden, and the chemistry is something that you can't teach, nor is the authenticity. And he was funny, Madden too. With oh, the he would bring out the telestrator, and boom! And it was just turducken. We're going to have to the game. I told you, turducken. I mean, it was fantastic stuff. <laughs> wasn't it? Oh, it's tremendous. Even the Super Bowl, I remember I was young, but the, the Giants are about to win their super, first Super Bowl, New York Giants. And he's talking about how there's a daddy Gatorade bucket and then a mommy Gatorade bucket and then they had a baby Gatorade bucket. It's a classic thing you got to watch on YouTube sometimes. Hey, so, and this was all impromptu. It wasn't like Guess. cheesy, you know, kind of rehearsed type of stuff. So, yeah. And then Fox signs him along with Summerall, which was a huge deal because yes. Fox never had football before. And then eventually uh, he went to ABC, ESPN, whatever you want to call it. He now, did every, he did every major network, CBS, Fox, ABC, and NBC. And if you look at the clock, Joe, it's good night, Gracie. We've got to go. Oh, okay. I know. I don't want to say good it. To but talk say to you. Say, say goodbye, Joe. Bye. Got to go. You are great. Joe Concha, this is The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. Tom Petty and Dan, perfect together. Best bumper music in the business, Dan. You're awesome. This is The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in with uh, Team Christine. Christine Wyatt and Dan, honored to fill in for Guy, who will be back right after the holiday. Well, from one Harry to another, let me take this opportunity to spend just a moment to mention the former Senate Majority Leader, Harry Reid. I did not approve of his philosophy of governance, but especially on the day when a leader passes. Uh, I don't I don't trash. I don't pile on. 
I don't like it when I see members of the media with hideous type headlines when people that they just don't agree with from a philosophy of governance standpoint and they'll write terrible things. But then, of course, someone like al-Baghdadi or some of these other folks, they'll they'll write uh, religious scholar, thoughtful religious scholar. I mean, it's just it's disgusting. So we won't say a bad thing about Harry Reid, but I will say that he must have been one heck of a fighter. And he was when he was in office, I mean, very much so, and rose to the to the leadership position to become the majority leader of the Senate. It's a very high position to hold. Speaker of the House, majority leader of the Senate, it's about as high as you get on the legislative side. It is as high as you can get. More than three decades representing Nevada in the House of Representatives and in the, in the Senate, and they haven't listed a exact cause of death, but he did undergo pancreatic cancer surgery back in 2018. So there is every belief that it was the pancreatic cancer that took him. And you know he's a fighter because a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer, you rarely hear of someone making it four years. So he, he had to be a, a tremendous fighter. Uh, His career is storied. I don't agree with his philosophy of governance, but I respect the position. I respect pugnacious fighters. I like fighters. I like them to fight fair. He was the son of a Nevada hard rock miner, so he grew up in abject poverty to become the U.S. Senate Majority Leader. That's pretty impressive. So to the family of the late Harry Reid, thoughts and prayers. From the Guy Benson Show. Talking about the issues you care about, Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back right after the holiday, partnering with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. I call them Team Christine. And we are joined on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline by our former Homeland Security Secretary uh, who served our country with great honor and I believe just did a fabulous job in the position. It's a pleasure to welcome Chad Wolf to the program momentarily. Uh, He did a great job. We're going to be talking about something that I think you don't delete something for a good reason. When you're talking about sensitive documents and things like that, and also records that you should keep, that you're supposed to keep, and in many cases, you're required to keep. Border Patrol officials had a tweet on the capture of a potential terrorist, and this was deleted, and the CBP says it violates protocol. Shortly, we'll have an opportunity to ask Chad Wolf about that and what that means to him. And if you think about it, why would someone do something like that? There's no, I don't think there's any altruistic reason that anybody would do that. Yeah. So we'll be doing that a little bit later in the program and we're looking forward to it. What we are experiencing is right now, a surge in House Democratic candidates retiring. Earlier in Guy's program, we interviewed a member of Congress, and it was a, it was a big part of the interview, talking about the more than 23 
prominent Democrats, some of them, some of the highest ranking, longest serving members. And if you need anything to tell you, because you can't listen. I mean, Nancy Pelosi makes speeches that we're going to we're going to keep the majority. I promise you, Nancy Pelosi knows that that's not true. She knows it's not true. She knows they're not keeping the House. There's more than a handful of rumors that she took a trip to Florida looking at a mansion. And here's what I expect. She can't announce now because it would be just a de facto resignation that it's over and they're done. But when you see one after the other, and now it measures in dozens of House members all retiring, and most of them, some of them, to be fair, if you're running for a Senate seat or something like that, that's different. But you have many members that are flat out retiring. And that is a telltale. So a lot of times you hear in politics, don't listen to what they say. Look at what they do. You see very talented magicians that do sleight of hand, that make airplanes disappear and do all kinds of fantastical things. And they usually have an assistant. And then that assistant is taking your eye off of some things, some sleight of hand and things that are going on. So they're faking one way, but they know it's over. And I understand. And it's happened. The pendulum swings. It's happened the other way, where when Republicans know that it's over, and they know. They know before you know. They're polling this stuff every day. They see. They take the temperature of the American people. They see that probably right now the electorate is as ornery and upset and dissatisfied with the machinations of government probably like we haven't seen since Jimmy Carter was the president of the United States. And it's it's an interesting, it's not a phenomenon, it's an interesting development that the Biden administration in many respects mirrors the Jimmy Carter presidency, issues with gasoline, and of course high prices, just catastrophic high inflation, weak need, wobbly, foreign policy. Remember, they did not release the Americans, the Iranian hostages, until President Reagan was sworn into office. They stuck it to to Jimmy Carter until 11-59-59 on January 20th, 1981, plus one second. And then they let them go on President Reagan's watch who I can promise you, had he been the president, they would have never been held hostage for that length of time. So Democrats know. These these are people that say one thing for the radio microphone, for the television camera, and they put, trust me, they know. They know all too well when it's over for them. If you look at the numbers right now, five, a swing of five seats, switches the whole thing. Then you're talking Republican chair, subpoena power. You're talking Hunter Biden stuff coming, all kinds of things. And I will tell you another thing, and I do believe in this, that history sort of does repeat itself at times. Joe Biden is Jimmy Carter 2.0, and in many respects, much worse. See, they, they certain numbers 
that you see, like you don't have 19% mortgage rates, you don't have 21.6% auto rates, but you have wicked inflation right now that is creating many problems. People have changed things they routinely did. They don't do it anymore. The sticker shock is just absolutely amazing. So even in a good environment, the president in power, his party in the first midterm election, loses an average of 28 seats. And this has gone on in every election as far as the eye can see, going backward, with the exception of George W. Bush, and that was purely the result of the terrorist attack, the way that the American people united. President Bush is 90-plus percent approval rating, and that's the only time that it hasn't happened. But see, we're not going to see anything like that again. For some reason, and it's very sad, the Democrats decided in 2001, we can't have this anymore. This unity thing doesn't work for us. And if you look at the strategy, it is always to divide. And the American people caught up to it and don't like it. They don't like people being divided, rich versus poor, different ethnicities against one another. They don't like it. It's not productive. It doesn't produce any results. And what you're going to see, I can't promise you the number today on The Guy Benson Show, but I will promise you in the House of Representatives, it will be more than a five-seat pickup. My guesstimate, and I I think this is probably going to hold, if you give me, it's because it is very early out. And the, the, look, did anybody know that we, we knew we would have mutations and different variants because we've had alpha, delta, lambda, mu, or mu, whichever you prefer. And now we have Omicron. We don't know which is going to be the next one, but there will be a next one because that's what coronaviruses do. They mutate. They try to survive. So we didn't know exactly what it would be, but we knew that there would be additional variants. When the administration of President Biden said that nobody knew, everybody knew. On the same day, Rochelle Walensky said we knew. Of course they knew. So the American people are adding all this up, and it equates to very bad news for the party and the majority. If Republicans were in the majority right now, it would be bad for them. The pendulum swings. That's the way it works. You wonder how you just keep going back and rinse and repeat and they get back in and then you don't like them. And then the other side gets back and you don't like them even more. Then you give the other ones a chance to come back and it keeps on perpetuating. Remember, though, until the Speaker Newt Gingrich, Republican Revolution, when they took office in 1995, it was the election of 1994, Democrats had had the majority of the House of Representatives for 40 years. They, I mean, you're talking, that's two generations. They, they took that like it was a rite of passage. And since then, Republicans did take the majority for a number of years, probably a decade or 12 years, and then it flipped back, and then they got it back, and then it flipped back. So after 40 years of Democrat rule, you probably have had three or more back-and-forth rounds, and we're going to have it again. I will promise you on the Guy Benson Show, and I don't make many promises because it's so many unpredictable things, Republicans will win the House of Representatives. There will be, at minimum, split government. 
I cannot promise you. Joe Concha says they're going to win the House. They're going to win the Senate. I will say Republicans will win the House and should win the Senate. There's a couple things that have to shake out. Herschel Walker, is he going to be the nominee? Can Herschel Walker beat Raphael Warnock? That'd be a great pickup right there. And that should happen. And that can happen. That's still not decided yet. And Republicans are defending many more seats. But in the House of Representatives, you don't have to listen to the fill-in guy on the Guy Benson show today. Hey, that, that this guy sounds all right, but how does he know? Well, I'll point you to the Democrats and the 23, and I think it's even more, but at least 23 Democrats that have announced already. It's not even the new year yet. They've announced they're not running. Do you think they're not running because they think there's going to be a glorious Democrat victory and they just don't want to be a part of it? They're not running because either they were going to lose their seat themselves or they know they're going to be in the minority and they don't want any part of it. So this is this is a very critical election. Some will say, but it's an overused, almost it becomes a cliché the most important election in our lifetime. Because if you look at these radical policies, particularly in the House, the House by the Constitution is where all spending measures originate. And you learn that in school. And it's very important because if Republicans are in control, a lot of this nonsense that's been going on, they're going to knock it off. And they're going to be doing other things. And I believe more productive things. I will say that beware, though, because once you are back in power, now you have two years where you're guaranteed that you would be in the majority. And what are the American people going to think? And it's going to get a little tricky because there will be a Democrat president, a Republican House, and it's too close to call right now in my mind. If you make me pick, I will pick that Republicans will win the Senate. Because in a wave election, they should take care of their own business and, and they should win the majority. So that's how I see it right now. I'd like permission to revisit that, though, uh, as things go along, because there are a lot of things we don't know yet. But less than a year out, because this election will be in November and, you know, people are voting earlier than ever. Uh, we'll have a better idea. Very, I think very reasonably early in the new year, we'll have a full handle on how many you don't see the senators resigning as much uh and i've done our program from the uh, capitol building and if you see them you know why they never want to leave i'll just leave it at that i saw them in their dining areas and it's 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 a great life it, it's not supposed to be what it turned into big pensions and all this stuff uh but that's what it's turned into and they like it and they don't want to leave it. Their big thing is, it's like RoboCop, the first directive. They want to win. And then they want to win re-election. Democrats have told you in advance, more, not even though it's not 2022, the election is less than a year away. They have told you in advance that they are not going to win. Because of this many people, you know, if it was a handful of people, that does happen organically. Somebody has enough, uh, something changes in their life, health issues, any, any number of things.
when we come back from the break, I always say, be careful what you wish for. The Democrats viciously came after the Oregon dad on the call with President Biden, the famous Santa tracker NORAD call, and he ended it with let's go, Brandon. And then the Democrats and the Democrat media, one and the same, investigated to find out the guy's last name. Who would know this guy's name is Schmeck? They've they've investigated him like they won't investigate Democrat crime, but they want to find out who Schmeck is. Well, guess what? Be careful what you wish for, because he now is saying that he would consider running for office. It's like a Joe the Plumber thing. We'll be back. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back. This is The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back right after the holiday, partnering with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. Thanks for spending this portion of your day here with The Guy Benson Show. So I I said right before the break that be careful what you wish for because look what can happen. All they should have done, I'm just such a firm believer that Biden could have turned this into a merch opportunity. He should have owned the whole thing. Instead, they went after this guy, Jared Schmeck. I'll tell you what, his name is a bit peculiar, but it's kind of memorable. It was very easy for me to commit his name to memory. So you you guys could be out there, you know, Jared Schmeck for Congress kind of has that sort of ordinary Joe kind of um, feel to it. So now you have a situation where guaranteed if you just let it go, you let it die down, you don't come after the guy. He, After all, he was just Jared from Oregon on a phone line. And at the very end, this shows you to what degree there's a sensitivity to this whole issue with the mental acuity of President Biden, because this I mean, I just believe the president has really bad advisors because the best thing to do there, because you just take what the president did and you got to own that. The first lady was aghast. She caught it immediately when. Jared Schmeck, who wasn't Jared Schmeck then, he was just Jared from Oregon, said, and, let, and let's go, Brandon. And then Joe Biden goes, yeah, let's go, Brandon. And you knew that he was just parroting what he heard, because I think that's the stage that he's at. With whatever's going on, he's right there. And if you say Ron Burgundy, he'll say Ron Burgundy. You say, let's go, Jared. He'll say, let's go, Jared. You say, let's go, Brandon. He'll say, let's go, Brandon. I really believe that. I think that's beyond question because we have the example. It happened. First lady caught it immediately. President didn't catch it at all. I'm sure later on they said, hey, that was about, you know, that thing that happened at the the, the, uh, NASCAR thing and when they were doing the chant. And that's why they got all their friends in the Democrat media to say that let's go, Brandon is a right-wing slur. That is so blatantly dishonest. You don't have to like it, but it's not a slur. And nobody in that crowd ever believed, you know, nobody listening to it ever believed 
that they said, let's go, Brandon. Nobody, and that's why it went viral the way that it did. When we come back, much more. Chad Wolf, this is The Guy Benson Show. Stay with us. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy. He will be back right after the holiday, partnering with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. Thanks for spending this portion of your day here with us on the Guy Benson Show. And there is a jury verdict in. There's not an announcement yet. This is the Ghislaine Maxwell uh, jury, and they've they've sent many notes. They wanted a grease board. They wanted post-it notes. They want read back testimony. Uh, a lot of questions, and the judge was giving them extra duty asked them to come in an extra day they said no asked them to stay an extra hour they said yes and so they have reached a verdict and we will keep you posted uh when that verdict will be read we predicted yesterday that a verdict would be reached during the guy benson show but we don't know if the if the verdict will be read during the guy benson show on the guy benson show newsmaker hotline uh, a distinguished american served our country with honor and distinction as our Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Good to visit with you again. Well, thank you for having me on. It is a pleasure. And let's start on this issue of the deleted item that the CBP says violated protocol. What would be a altruistic reason, a good reason, to delete a tweet that was pertaining to the capture of a potential terrorist I smell something here that doesn't smell right, Chad. Well, I'm not sure that there is a legitimate reason. I think at the end of the day, the concern I would have would be that they removed a tweet um, because it undercuts a lot of their narrative about individuals crossing that southwest border. There you go. Um, And they've said time and time again it's usually families or children crossing that border. And they continue to ignore the public safety and national security threats crossing that border. So removing a tweet that talks about a potential national security threat would would undercut um, their narrative. That's my feeling as a layperson. And hearing you say it at your level uh, just validates what I think all of us know. Uh, It's so disturbing. And I'll tell you another thing that really is bothersome. The land was secured. The contract was issued, as you know. The wall itself was purchased. The labor to build it paid for. There were paying people to not work. The uh, state government, Governor Abbott and, and, and the state representatives have had to get together. The great citizens of Texas are donating more of their land because, as you know, they had land uh, provided for the wall to be built during your administration, President Trump's administration. And By the way, you can't use the help that's already being paid for that the American taxpayers are paying for. And oh, by the way, all that wall that's there, you can't use that either. And you got to go get extra land. So Texans had to give up more land. I find this to be an absolute abomination. And it has to be a 
concerted strategy of the Biden administration? Well, I would agree with you. I think it's one of the most infuriating points uh, or things that the Biden administration has done on the border. And that that actually says a lot because uh, they have done a lot of inaction along that border. The fact that they have procured uh, panels of that border wall system uh, that are sitting idle along the border, that they are paying federal contractors almost as much to, to just sit there and watch those panels on the ground than they are to install them. There's no logical reason not to install them. There's no operational reason not to install them. The Biden administration refuses to put anyone on camera, any operator, any Border Patrol agent, any officer on camera to say that they don't need an effective border wall system. They can't do it because there is no operator that would actually say that. Uh, So the only reason left is to say for purely political reasons, because we hate Donald Trump, we're not going to build an effective border wall that protects our agents, that protects American communities, keeps illegal narcotics out, keeps illegal uh, individuals out of the country. Um, and so this is one of the most, again, as, as I said, infuriating uh, pieces. We know what works on that border, um, and President Trump delivered on that. We just needed the Biden administration to continue the progress, and they refused to do so. Truly, yeah, you just ran out of time. It, it's, uh, it's such a shame. You were there. You had it. And uh, just needed a little bit more time. And and I find this to be very insidious. I believe it is a strategy. They want the illegal immigration invasion. I do believe this is part of a plan to create a permanent Democrat majority in this country. There'd be no reason in a, in a pandemic when you know and I know you have horrible gang members coming through, drug traffickers. For everyone we catch, who knows? And then you hear about these gotaways they call them and and all of this and and i want to get your take uh chad and if you're just joining the guy benson show chad wolf is appearing on the guy benson show newsmaker hotline our former secretary of the department of homeland security uh in the president trump administration these ghost flights where they are not testing people and they're not telling governors and they're just dispersing people that shouldn't be here in the first place all over america during a pandemic, not testing them while they strangle the American people with federal regulations. That's another that's got to be on your several top two or three list, isn't it? Well, it is. And I think what it demonstrates, a lot of these flights that you see are going into places such as uh, Pennsylvania or Tennessee, Florida, you name it is because they have broken the system. They have let so many illegal immigrants into the country that there's no place to put them. There's no place to hold them along that border. And so they're having to fly them into the interior of the country. This is what catch and release looks like. This is why it's so terrible. It's why we ended it during the Trump administration. Uh, But again, because the, the incompetence of this administration when it comes to border security and immigration enforcement, um, they have left. They, they basically have no other choice than to do these flights. And the fact that they do them in the middle of the night for yep. a large portion of them just says that it's something that they don't want to publicize. Uh, because, you know, if it benefited them, if they found some redeeming quality about it, they would have cameras out there. They would be issuing press releases about it. The fact that they're doing none of that shows that they know that most Americans don't agree with this. And yet, They are forced to do this because there is no alternative. When you let in hundreds of thousands of folks across that border every single month, you have no alternative than to do these flights. Chad, final minute. Give our listeners on The Guy Benson Show a closing comment on the first year 
of the Biden presidency from your wide spectrum of observation as a secretary of the Department of Homeland Security? Well, sure. When it comes to, again, border security and immigration enforcement, it has been an abject failure. Um, I can't tell you, you know, the number of things that they uh, rescinded or removed that were working, that were working for the American people and keeping American communities safe. Instead, they went to the far left of their party uh, and they endorsed positions by activists. And these activists, these are things that they could not get done during the Obama administration. They lobbied us during the Trump administration. We refused to do it. It was bad for Americans. And day after day and week after week, I see some of those same decisions now going in their favor because the Biden administration has turned over their immigration policy to liberal activists. And unfortunately, what the result is, is a historic border crisis, not a 10-year high, not a 20-year high. This is the highest it's ever been since we started keeping records. And it's unfortunate because the American people are the last ones being served by these policies. Chad Wolf, thank you for your service and thank you for your continued service. Good to visit with you, sir. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Chad Wolf, the former secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, pretty much as predicted on the Guy Benson show yesterday and at a brief tease of it today, the Ghislaine Maxwell verdict is in. We will have it next right after this. This is the Guy Benson show. Guy Benson will be right back. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson is a newsmaker. He's a newsbreaker. So it's no surprise to me that on The Guy Benson Show, we'll be able to share with you exactly what has happened on day 18 with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley filling in for Guy, who will be back right after the holiday. Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, and I think to a large extent, because obviously Jeffrey Epstein is gone, uh, she was the one left. And she was the one that took the weight of the whole thing, it seems. And from the Fox News desk, we can share the following, that Ghislaine Maxwell has been found guilty of five of six counts. Count two, she was found not guilty. Let's go through them. Count one, conspiracy to entice an individual under the age of 17 to travel in interstate commerce with intent to engage in illegal sexual activity. Maximum five years in prison. Remember, when we give you all these years, it is going to matter. At sentencing, is the judge sentencing consecutively or concurrently? If they're all serving at the same time, there'll be much less time served. Count two, enticement of an individual under the age of 17 to travel with intent to engage in illegal sexual activity, maximum of five years in prison. Ghislaine Maxwell was found not guilty of count two and only count two, not guilty. Count three, conspiracy to transport individuals under the age of 17, a minor, to travel in interstate commerce with intent to engage in illegal sexual conduct, maximum five years in prison. Count four, transportation of an individual under the age of 17 with the intent to engage in illegal sexual activity, maximum 10 years. The one before it was travel. The count four, which was the biggest uh, amount of potential time in prison, was significantly double the five years of the others. Count five, sex trafficking conspiracy to commit 
sex trafficking of individuals under the age of 18, maximum of five years in prison, and count six, sex trafficking of an individual under the age of 18, a minor, 40 years in prison. 40 for zero. So that was the big one of them all. Ghislaine Maxwell, guilty on day 18 of the trial of five of six counts. Let's share with you the statement from the U.S. attorney, Damian Williams, on the verdict in U.S. versus Ghislaine Maxwell. A unanimous jury has found Ghislaine Maxwell guilty of one of the worst crimes imaginable, facilitating and participating in the sexual abuse of children, crimes that she committed with her longtime partner and co-conspirator Jeffrey Epstein. The road to justice has been far too long, but today justice has been done. I want to commend the bravery of the girls, now grown women, who stepped out of the shadows and into the courtroom. Their courage and willingness to face their abuser made this case and today's result possible. I also want to thank the career prosecutors of the Southern District of New York who embraced the victim's quest for justice and have worked tirelessly day in and day out to ensure that Maxwell was held accountable for her crimes. This office will always stand with victims, will always follow the facts wherever they lead, and will always fight to ensure that no one, no matter how powerful and well-connected, is above the law. Damian Williams, U.S. Attorney in U.S. versus Ghislaine Maxwell. Well, I don't think anybody out there is surprised. You, you, you could talk all you want about post-it notes and the grease board and, and different color pastel markers and all these things and the string. And that there was no string, but I'm just adding that for effect. And this was a backshop jury CSI investigation of their own, and they asked for a lot of readback stuff. I never had a doubt that she was going to be convicted. To me, the evidence appeared compelling. Uh, the crimes alleged so, the depravity of it, so absolutely beyond most normal people's co- ability to comprehend. Not surprised a bit. What is going to be interesting, though, is when the sentencing takes place. How does the judge slice and dice this thing? You've got all these counts at five years. You've got the one at 10. You have the one at 40. Uh, One legal expert actually sent me a communication, and they believe that it will wind up being something like 12 to 15 years. I wrote back, I'm surprised to hear you say that because I I, I see this going beyond that. I mean, if if the – Sixth charge is a maximum of 40 years. You typically don't get to the max, although sometimes, depending on the depravity of the crime, uh, you will get to the higher end. And remember another thing. This isn't like county jail. You get good behavior or state prison. Federal sentencing, you do the time. I don't know what the range will be. Ultimately, the judge will decide that. They have... Judges used to have a lot of discretion. They don't have as much discretion anymore. That changed with some of the reforms that were done a number of years ago. 
So they're pretty much obligated to stay within a certain range. And I think in the case of Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, she's going to be at the upper end of the range. If this winds up being what – and I'm not a lawyer, but my lawyer friend uh, said a, a number that I thought was shockingly low when I wrote that to him. And he said this is just the way that the sentencing guidelines work. Uh, and this is somebody that you know has experience in federal court. Uh, I think it's going to – for whatever reason, I still think it's going to be more than that. But we're not in a position on the Guy Benson show to speculate on what the actual sentence will be until until we know. I mean, this is this is what the judges do. They set the date, and you you stand with a verdict today. There's confusion on this because people say you were convicted today. No, she is convicted when the judge sentences her. She stands with a guilty charge. She's been found guilty, but she has not been convicted yet. The judge will take care of that when the judge hands out sentencing. And again, I'm not sure if this will be consecutive, if this will be concurrent. If you if you wanted to do something like you've got to serve them all, you serve the first five, or if you get four out of five, three and a half out of five, whatever, uh, and then you serve that, and then you got to do the other one and the other one and the other one, or they're all put together and you are serving all of them at the same time. Obviously, the big difference between the two. How much time will she do? I say a lot. You're talking about a, a multiple crimes that shock the conscience of a nation. And you think about Epstein, Pedophilia Island. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people right now that, that are, have a lot of power that have taken trips to that island. It's going to be very interesting. Is Ghislaine Maxwell going to be like um, who was the fellow that shot Lee Harvey Oswald that was in a prison cell begging people to, uh, hey, I got a story I want to tell you. Come and see me. Uh, will Ghislaine Maxwell give up a whole lot of people? Who knows? Maybe, who knows? Maybe in sentencing, uh, maybe her doing something like that would be taken into consideration. All speculation, but we know this, Ghislaine Maxwell found guilty of five of six charges. You're listening to The Guy Benson Show. Much more straight ahead. Stay with us. Talking about the issues you care about, Guy Benson. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. We're going to put two items couldn't be more different uh, than one another uh, into one segment beginning right here right now on the Guy Benson show Harry Hurley filling in partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan welcome to today's edition of the Guy Benson show Guy will be back right after the holiday this almost sounds like it's a fake news story that you, you could get punked on it but it's true and it's incredible and I don't know how many in the Guy Benson universe have heard about this. Maybe you know and maybe you have right now in your home, in your office, you have the Amazon device Alexa. And it's your voice assistant. You say, play me my favorite song, uh, all these different things that you can do with that technology. Is this Revenge of the Machines? Is this artificial intelligence uh, that's actually 
uh, advancing and making its own decisions? I mean, it sounds very sci-fi. And let me give you this specific item. An Amazon Alexa voice assistant reportedly challenged a 10-year-old girl to, quote, touch a penny to the exposed prongs of a half-plugged phone charger. How do you like that one? How how would a machine issue that kind of – many people don't know this. You, you think about people being electrocuted and killed if a down power line and they're just walking and maybe it's under leaves or something or you just go decide to touch it. You assume it's it's a dead wire and bam, you take a big hit. Most people in a regular that get electrocuted, it happens with a regular 110 current situation that you would think normally would just be a little bit of a of a shock and and not be a problem. That is enough to easily stop the heart. So the technology equipment, Alexa, reportedly challenged a little girl to basically potentially electrocute herself. To put names on this, Kristen Livedahl, the child's mother, posted on Twitter that she and her daughter, quote, were doing some physical challenges, quote, provided by the family's Amazon Echo, which uses the voice assistant technology Alexa. This included lying down and rolling over, holding a shoe on your foot. So this is what was said about this. Livedahl added that due to the, quote, bad weather outside, her daughter, quote, just wanted another. The Echo speaker then suggested a challenge that was found on the web, an activity known as, quote, the Penny Challenge, which began appearing on social media sometime last year. Quote, plug in a phone charger about halfway into a wall outlet, then touch a penny to the exposed prong. So you see what they're doing. The plug is not all the way in, pushed in tight. It's plugged in halfway where it it makes the connection. So there's current that's happening, but there's room to slide a penny into that. So, of course, you've got the two metal prongs, and you've got the space between it and the outlet itself called the receptacle. And that's just unbelievable that the technology would pick something like that. Livedahl said in a tweet that she then called out, no, Alexa, no, and noted that her daughter is, quote, too smart to do something like that, end quote. Amazon said in a statement to the BBC that Alexa has been updated to prevent it from suggesting this challenge again. So, you know, we're using words like alleged and reportedly, but it appears as though Amazon is copying to it. You don't make a change if there's nothing, if there's nothing, nothing happened. If this is fake, then there would be no reason to do any kind of change, any kind of update. And they confirm that they have updated this quote, customer trust is at the center of everything we do. And Alexa is designed to provide accurate, relevant, and helpful information to customers, and quote. 
As soon as we became aware of this error, we took swift action to fix it, end quote. And uh, there's a lot of important uh, CYA uh, lingo there because when you find out about something, part about mitigating damages, if anything happens to anyone, is did you take immediate action? Oh, yes. The moment we knew there was a problem, we immediately corrected it. So this makes me want to expand this for a moment on The Guy Benson Show to other things that I've heard about. And you may have read and seen some of these stories on the Fox News channel and in some of the uh, the reading material that, that you enjoy where different robots they have found are actually making their own decisions. They're like taking it, artificial intelligence, they're taking it to the next level. And you know there are entertainment movies about this kind of thing where the revenge of the machines they 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 take over because they start to make their own decisions even though you think they're programmed to only go to a certain level they reprogram themselves again most of this is is um fiction but i don't want to go too far out on a limb here but we know that there are machines that have reprogram themselves and make different decisions than were they were programmed to do. What do they do that for? I think it's an interesting conversation. So there you have it. Um, in my estimation, this happened because Alexa, uh, Amazon rather, took action to correct it. So I guess this is one of those cases where like anything else, technology is a beautiful thing. It saves time. Alexa, play my favorite song. Oh, yes. And away, away it goes. But here you get the penny challenge. And don't anybody do that. That's no joke. These things that go on, these challenges that, that go on, and schools were recently shut down because these nationwide challenges on some of these platforms happen. No go. No good. All right, the second topic, we said we would do two. The State Department allegedly, actively, is impeding rescue efforts in Afghanistan. We talk about it. I know Guy Benson talks about it because we can't forget that we still have Americans in Afghanistan. And you cannot listen to the Taliban who said, oh, women are going to be fine. Women are going to be in our cabinet any women in the cabinet, guys? You check the cabinet? Well, women will be fine. They'll be able to still go to school, only they were shutting the schools down as they told the Western world that women will be fine and women will be going to school. This is very serious. There is a situation, and, and you have either former military or even civilians that are actually flying in and getting people out and trying to get people out. This Taliban is medieval, and Afghanistan is now a Taliban-controlled country, and we left them billions of dollars of the most awesome weaponry in the history of the world. It's unimaginable to me what President Biden did here. And one day the book will be written. Military people follow orders and such, but the truth will come out. Yes, we told the president that 
the military should come out last. Of course, we wanted to get all Americans out first, and then we wanted to get all this equipment out. We're talking about Apache helicopters, even things that they can't fly. They don't have the skill set to fly. Somebody did go up in one, and I understand it wasn't pretty, but they don't have the pilots, but they have the technology. They can sell that. And you know, countries like China, they are very, very good at reverse engineering. You give them something. This is why it was so dangerous back in the early 90s when Bill Clinton gave China what we call supercomputers. Supercomputers that can be used for educational purposes or the very same supercomputer can be militarized. Now, of course, China said this would only be for educational purposes. I was highly critical of the time at the time. We were on air. I was very highly critical because you cannot trust China. You give them a supercomputer, and they are certainly going to use it at a military level. Leaving this equipment gives the Taliban a lot of money because they can sell it. And it was the absolute worst thing we could have done. If you can't get it out, you blow it up. That's what they do. These, these heroes that go into these very dangerous areas, and sometimes there's big sandstorms and things, and the helicopter gets all gunked up. Helicopter goes down, hard landing, and they can't, they can't fly it. They blow the thing up. You can't leave. You can't leave this kind of incredible equipment. Now to the human resource level, because this is very, very serious. In Afghanistan, you have former female troops, and this is where it is so cruel because we hailed them as heroes and just incredible what they were doing in a very dangerous country that when the Taliban is in control, it's very, it's very dangerous for everyone. It's particularly dangerous for women. They are fearing for their lives. And I, I believe it is shameful how the Democrat pro-Biden media got off Afghanistan because la, 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 I can't hear you. I, you a child puts their hands over their eyes and says, you can't, you can't see me because they close their eyes. You can't see me. And they just pretend. Remember the, the very odd language that Jen Psaki and the president used to say? We're going to get all Americans out of Afghanistan who want to come home. As though under the Taliban... There was some incredible pent-up, just fantasy desire to stay in Afghanistan. The only reason some people stayed is because they couldn't get their family members out. And remember, you'll hear that record numbers of people were taken out. What they started to do, without even checking who these people were, they just started taking people out of Afghanistan. They didn't focus on getting the American people out getting out our interpreters and all kinds of other people that did amazing things, that leaving them there for the Taliban to brutalize and slaughter them. Women are being raped to death. Women have had all their rights taken away. And think about it, for a generation plus, a younger adult right now in in Afghanistan went to school. I'm speaking about women had rights, could have 
a great life. Not now. And it was so frustrating to listen to some in the Democrat media actually report that women are going to Taliban. It's almost like the austere religious scholar dies. Uh, they're, they're, they're crazy. They're, they're absolutely, it's just beyond comprehension. The Taliban is different now. Women are going to be in the cabinet. Women will be going to school. Women will be driving. Yeah? It didn't turn out that way. And anybody who was being honest knew it wasn't going to turn out that way. So then you say, what are we going to do about it? I hear something is afoot to improve the situation. Let's pray that that is true. Hope is not a strategy. We can pray, though. So these Afghanistan former female troops, as we speak right now, in the freest nation in the world, in the history of the world, there are people fearing for their lives. And we did a very bad thing. How we left Afghanistan, a child in charge would have said, okay, American people, equipment, and the military leaves. President Biden, military out first. Can you imagine our military when they were leaving knowing that they operate under the code of not leaving anyone behind and they knew they were leaving countless numbers of Americans there? Very, very sad. We'll be back. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. He makes a little basketball twist there and pivot, and boom, the ball's there. Um, boom, I love it. Uh, the greatest of all time. Welcome. I'm so thrilled to and privileged to uh, fill in for Guy today. It's The Guy Benson Show. I'm Harry Hurley with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Thanks for spending this portion of the happy hour of the Guy Benson Show with us. We thank you so very much. Hall of Fame coach, Super Bowl championship coach, icon broadcaster, iconic in so many ways, because if you take any vocation, very rarely does any one person ever change their profession. John Madden, who died today at the age of 85 in the NFL, released that John Madden died unexpectedly. I will say, sidebar, I'm really happy that John Madden got to see the incredible documentaries that were done. The Fox documentary is so profound that you do not have to be a football fan. You do not have to be a sports fan. John Madden wouldn't fly. He was afraid to fly. People would say, he didn't want to fly. He was afraid to fly. He didn't want to fly because he didn't like to fly. So he got the Madden Cruiser. And remember now, he would do the big game of the week, whether it was with Pat Summerall. And remember, this is a man that won 16 Emmys in a 30-year career. So every other year, he won an Emmy. And he had a career on every single major network, Fox, for many years. I think the best work Madden did, I'm not being a homer, was the Fox work. I mean, just really incredible. But he had stints at CBS. He had stints at ABC and NBC. And uh, quite a run at Fox, 1994 to 2001. And, of course, he's famous for generations with the Madden football game. Just a phenomenal ambassador to the game. He loved football. Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, said, quote, On behalf of the entire NFL family, we extend our condolences to Virginia, Mike, Joe, and their families. 
We all know him as the Hall of Fame coach of the Oakland Raiders and a broadcaster who worked for every major network, but more than anything, he was a devoted husband, father, and grandfather. Nobody loved football more than coach. He was football. One of my favorite things was Thanksgiving, the Madden trophies, and of course, after the game, the fantastical, the phenomenal turducken. Dan, cut 23. It's a deboned chicken stuffed in a deboned duck stuffed in a deboned turkey with dressing between the chicken and the duck and the duck and the turkey. As you cut down that way, you go turkey, dressing, duck, dressing, chicken. Nick, any of that makes sense. Now, can I get some hoisin sauce with that? How <laughs> Michaels? Oh, my God. You know, the so the first you time I ever it. had one of these, oh I, I, I... Turducken. So if you ever wondered what turducken is, the late, great John Madden just told you. Career stats, 103 wins, 32 losses, 7 ties in 10 seasons. As the Raiders coach, if I remember correctly, he retired after winning the Super Bowl. On behalf of Christine Wyatt, Dan, and of course Guy, this is The Guy Benson Show. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.